Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you again for joining the Educational Leadership Podcast. We have our co-host, Corinne French, and we have a special guest, actually for the second time, Craig Mixon. Craig, thanks for joining us again on the podcast. Absolutely. Glad to be a part of it. Yeah, so it's we're this is the first podcast of 2022, right? And so last time we Woo-hoo! talked about yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year, right? <laughs> Happy New Year. We're we're going to we're having a little bit of deja vu because the, uh, the COVID numbers are going up, but we're not going to talk about COVID on this podcast. Uh we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're going to talk about what we're seeing right now that are influence our kids in the library. That's part of that. And then, of course, some of the influences we have out there that require grit, perseverance to get through some of the struggles we're seeing right now. Um, for those of you all that are tuning in for the first time, uh, Craig, would you mind sharing a little bit about your background before we jump into these topics? Yeah, uh, professionally, uh, I spent the last you know 15 years in procurement, corporate procurement, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, still in that uh, profession. Uh, worked for a major airline. Decided to run for you know school board based off you know, my kids and uh, other kids in our district. It just uh, this is a district that I was was a part of and raised up, graduated from here, and uh, you know, just uh, love being able to get back and see the success of these kids. So. Outstanding, outstanding, and yeah, it's it's being a part of the school board. I'm I, I'm always impressed by because you, you're working. You have a full-time job, plus you're giving back in the evenings, and sometimes those evenings turn into early mornings, from what I hear. Um, so, so, in addition to everything you have going on, appreciate you you taking some time out of your out of your lunch hour to to join us here on the podcast. And so, we're this topic has come up a, a few different times, and that's related to books in the library, not just not just with us, but with other school districts. And it seems like a hot topic right now. Corinne, Craig, what are y'all seeing right now as far as books in the library? It's, I, I know when I was growing up, this wasn't really an issue. At least I never heard about it. But now you have all these different perspectives on things that are influencing our kids. I mean, what, what are y'all's thoughts? Corinne, I'll let you go ahead and take first. Oh, I, I know y'all are going to do that to me. Well, <laughs> I mean, I probably have a little bit different opinion on it than maybe most. I'm, I think I personally think that there's probably a line what that we should not cross, but I think for high schoolers, the things that are in their library, um, we shouldn't, we probably shouldn't ban much what's in the high school library. Uh, I definitely think we talked a little bit before this started being age appropriate. And when, when children are little, I definitely think there is a a method of protection and that we need to be protecting their minds. But if children have cell phones, (laughs) they know more than we do about anything and everything. And so I think um, the minute you tell a student, you know, you can't have this or can't have that. Um, I think we just have to be careful because I think we don't want to push an agenda, but we also don't want to um, not let students see what's really out there. So it's a tough topic. This is why the why it's so politicized. Yeah, I think the definitely politicized. Uh, you know, my perspective on this is one: if they're picking up the book, I think first off, that's a great start in picking up a book. Uh, you know, I will agree with you. You know, uh, the age appropriate you know, context, I think that, uh, you know, sticking to uh, 
the Teaks and teaching these kids, uh, you know, basic fundamentals at the, the K through, you know, eight uh, grades. Uh, as far as, you know, in the high school, yeah, I'd still stick to the kind of the opinion of sticking to the Teaks and, and mm-hmm. not uh, pushing certain agendas. Uh, I think it's important for public education uh, to teach history, historical facts, uh, you know, it's hard to maintain what comes into the, you know, it comes into the libraries. Uh, but, you know, for, for a board member, it's, uh, it's also specific to the area that you're, that you live in and the people that you, uh, you know, represent, uh, you know, here in New Canaan, it's, you know, a pretty strong conservative base. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, that, that uh, you know, our kids picking up books on their own uh, is, is a good thing, but uh, you know, sticking to basic fundamentals of teaks, uh, they'll eventually, uh, you know, form their own opinions politically. Uh, and honestly, I think that that responsibility lies more at home uh, than it does, you know, within the public school. Uh, you know, they'll they'll pick up their political opinions or whatever that may be uh, from their homes. Uh, but leaving education to be uh, strictly historical, you know, and historical facts. On that same note, students students are part of are going. We, it's kind of ties back to a, a podcast we did a, a couple of weeks ago, and it's talking about the role of a school district, academics versus parenting versus crossing those boundaries a little bit. And I mean, right now, obviously, there's some really controversial topics out there. And one thing that I'm curious about is if a student goes into a library and they pick up a book on one of these controversial topics, they're in a safe space. They feel like they are anyway. They're in a school district. They're, they're, in, a, they're in the, this is their safe for a lot, of, a lot of students, especially if they have troubles at home, the, the, the school is where they go for their safe haven. And now they're going to the library, they're picking up a book. I, I just wonder if students are, are really taking a step back and, and thinking to themselves, okay, this is one person's opinion. This is a one person's perspective and especially when they're young and they're so malleable uh, and they're they're so easily influenced by different different things i just wonder if they pick up that book and if it's some extreme topic or it's some morally questionable you know morally questionable topic if they're just going to open up and and just take it all in uh, you know without a grain of salt for lack of better words i mean what what are y'all's thoughts on that like, you know, having, having the discussions, you know, uh, for me personally, you know, my kids come home with, you know, if they see something that, you know, raises an eyebrow for them, they definitely bring it to me and, you know, we'll talk about it, uh, allowing me to kind of, uh, you know, give them uh, guidance on, you know, fact, fiction, uh, multiple sources, uh, which I, I, the media that we have today, uh, you have to check multiple uh, just because, uh they've become you know, very one-sided themselves. Uh, so, you know, could they, yes, you know, a kid that may not necessarily live in the environment, you know, that, uh, uh, that my, my kids are blessed to be in, but, uh, you know, letting them know that there are other opinions, uh, you know, that it's not fact, I think is probably a direction I would like to, you know, I would recommend, you know, someone that is responding to a student, uh, you know, to check other sources and look at those things. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's easy to publish a, I'm oh, sorry. 
That's all right. Well, they'll go to Twitter or Instagram or whatever, and they take it, you know, for its value. Uh, so I definitely think it's important that uh, they're taught to uh, check multiple sources and to fact check. Uh, it's all part of writing the research papers and things. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely think for small children, when they see things in print, little, I mean, I'm thinking even probably under third grade, um, they, they probably do see it as truth, because why would someone put something in front of someone that age without it being truth? Their, their minds, in many ways, aren't, aren't able to handle different things like that. So I think you're onto something there, Gary, like with when, when the books for elementary, I, I definitely think should be very, we should be very careful um, because they do take it in and that could shape their worldview. And, it, and it's not even that it would be wrong, but even like showing kids all the different kinds of uh, fields that are out there and all the different kinds of people, that's important, right? But like if a lot of the books only show a certain face color, skin color, certain things, and we're also limiting that, you know, there's a whole big, great big world out there. So I think it's tough, but I know that when my daughter brought home a series of books um, in middle school, I believe it wasn't a series of books that I would have let her read normally. Like it wouldn't have been, it wasn't on my shelf and I have a pretty extensive library here at home for children, but I didn't, and I didn't want her to read the book series. And, and but it was at that time where if it was, she was in kindergarten or anything, you know, younger, I might've, I felt like I would have had more of a say. And, but as a middle schooler, I did want to say, well, why do you want to read those books? And that doesn't really align with the faith that we have in our home and, and like, it's just not, it's not a book I would pick for you. Um, and, and I just, and so, you know, I think she ended up reading the entire series and I won't name the series because I know a lot of, a lot of parents do allow their, their children to read that series, but it wasn't something I wanted, but I decided not to fight that battle. Like I would have fought it a little harder if she was younger. And I think what came out of that is I would have, I was able to have conversations with her to, to share with her that what you read you internalize that. And so if you're just, if you're doing some research and you, you need to see all different sides of something, that's one thing, but what you're pouring into you, it, it is important what we pour in. And so spending a lot of time, if I start reading, I know that happened. Sorry. <laughs> I'm at home today. Um, if we start pouring into, if I start reading about books about mechanics and I'm not, I don't know anything about cars, eventually I'll start talking or using references about mechanics. You know, it, it just happens. So we have to be careful and we should talk to our students about that. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And it, it kind of ties back to, I mean, not just perspectives, but I know you don't talk about faith in public schools. You're not supposed to anyways, right? But people's faith, affects how they communicate with people, the, their perceptions on certain topics there. And um, I'm just wondering, like right now, I'm hearing a lot of things in, in schools that I never even thought of when I was a kid, like, you know, people are picking what gender they want to be. And then there's all these different variations of that. And I, I can't even keep up with it. Um, but there's other things in society like that happening right now. H how do school districts, and I guess this is, uh, Craig and Corinne, this is for both y'all. How do how do school districts determine determine, especially when you're not you're not involving any type of um, faith or you know more? I don't know what the right word is, but you can't talk about faith from as far as I know in, in school. You're not supposed to. How do they determine you know the moral boundaries of certain topics in a school district? Well, I think that the state clearly identifies teaks. And you know uh, what's to be taught, fundamentals, uh, you know, at each grade level, what they should be 
uh, taking in. Um, and I think that's what needs to stick to, uh, you know, when it comes to those situations. Um, it is it is a tough you know topic. I know that uh, no matter where people may fall, whether they are a person of faith or not, uh, you know it's hard not to uh, address that or speak speak about it. And uh, you know, I think they just they stick to those basics of you know what what's in the teeks, and then uh, also discussing you know uh, multiple other avenues and fact checking and things like that. I think it's just important. Yeah, yeah, it is important. It kind of, I mean, as far as the the, the fact checking and, and what's right, what's not right. Um, I mean, with all this conversation around books in the library, and, th and this is just a starting point, right? Books in a library, but it kind of kind of morphs into other areas once you start having conversations outside of the library, but what what's what's happening right now within school districts around these controversial topics it, is it kind of up to the board and the leadership to determine what's right and wrong related to these topics or are there some sort of uh, guiding principles in place i know you mentioned uh, teagues is that right you mind explaining what that is this is essential knowledge uh grant help me the <laughs> um gosh you would get me on that um it's basically the guidelines that, uh, you know, each grade level, uh, you know, what is to be taught throughout that year and what the kids uh, are to come out of that grade knowing based off, you know, basics, uh, whether it be mathematics, certain problem solving, you know, uh, addition, subtraction, you move into algebra. And those are uh, their guidelines, you know, to uh, for teachers to know what is to be taught during those those in each grade level. Yeah, it stands for Texas Essential Knowledge and Skills. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I, I think there are there are some abilities for local control of, of certain things. I mean, there, there is, that's the, I think that's kind of the beauty of, of public schools in Texas is we, we do have local control, but we also want all students in the state to be college, career, and military ready. Like we want them to go to that next step. So we have to have something that goes, that, that's standard. And I know people don't like, you know, some people don't like those words, like um, to say we want a standardized or this, this kind of learning for all students, but we have to make it the safest place for all. Like Gary, you mentioned that, that, that school could be the safest place for a student. And so you think of students who are different and, and whether we like different or not, you know, we, we have, there has to be a safe space for them. We have to, we have to educate all students. And so I think there's gotta be some trust in, in the TEA and, and we're big organizations, even like the state board of education that we have to have some trust in the fact that they've, they've done some of their work. You know, I think there's a lot of, we poke a lot of holes. I do it too. Uh, we poke holes in certain organizations and don't think that they're doing the, the best, but I think at the, at the, at the root of it, people wouldn't be in education. They're not in education to make money. Uh, the teachers are not there to make money. They're there because they love students. But you mentioned something earlier um, that I think is important. One of you mentioned this. I think it was you um, about your wife working in the library and the, the books are bought in bundles sometimes. So you might, you might buy, buy this packet of the new books for the, and there could be some in there that just aren't good. And 
there might be some librarians over the over the years that might have made a few mistakes and it's like that doesn't mean they're all bad that doesn't mean all books are bad so i think there's we just i think we have to just take a step back and i like what you said earlier about um just focusing on the basics what do our kids need our kids need loved right now they need taught they need encouraged um, and how do we get back to that and kind of let some of this other political stuff stay out in that world because bringing that to them is is like it's, it's a shame on us if we're doing that if we're politicizing even board work then and and people are and so i, I guess i want to kind of say that like shame on the people that are doing that because it's we've our kids minds and hearts are at stake they truly are craig, craig what, are, what are your thoughts on that i mean when i was growing up you go to school to learn math, English, science, mm -hmm. history, and you try to go to college. If you don't, you try to get a good job out of high school. I mean, that's that was the goal. It was seemed pretty simple. And I'm just going to be honest here. I, I wasn't reading a lot of books in, in high school. <laughs> I, I read the books they told me to read in class. And uh, <laughs> yeah, or, or cliff notes. I had cliff notes, man. I read, I don't think I read a full book in high school. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of talk. It's, it's almost like politics, community activism, controversial topics. I mean, this is what people are talking about right now. Has there been a shift in kind of the mindset of public education over the past, I don't know, I don't want to age myself, but 30, 20, 30, 40 years um, that maybe they're not as focused on going to college, getting a job. It's more about changing society a little bit. You know, I, I would agree that, uh, yeah, things have changed. I don't necessarily know if it's from a public education standpoint. Uh, you know, I'm not an educator. Uh, you know, I know Corinne is and, uh, you know, teachers, they go into this profession and, and you know, right now it's a very difficult time to be in this profession. We see a, a ton of them uh, leaving the profession, but they're in it for a reason. Uh, you know, they they have a it's basically inside of them uh, to want to teach and you know watch these kids. It's not a job. I think that you know, uh, like hey, I think I'll go teach today and you know just become good at it. It's you you have to have heart to to want to do it. And, uh, you know, the, the environment that we're in, it's a political environment is what we're, uh, what's pushed down, you know, a lot of our, uh, through media, social media, uh, you know, you and I went to school, we didn't have, and thank God, we didn't have Facebook, Twitter, you know, we didn't have cell phones that had, you know, cameras and videos and, uh, and items like that. So the, the access to data today is so quick and so fast, you know, it's just not something that we encountered. We also, you know, we would have to go home to make a phone call to call our friend, you know, it wasn't a text or shooting. So, you know, it, it's definitely a different environment that we're in. I don't necessarily know that it's public education itself. Uh, there are, you know, many of those that will politicize uh, education, but, you know, in the long run, it is, we're still trying to get kids through the basics of reading, writing, uh, math, science, history, uh, you know, and, Sometimes in teaching history, it's, you know, one of my favorite subjects, you know, history, economics, government, obviously those are uh, strong points of mine, but uh, it's important, even though that to teach our history, our history isn't necessarily always a beautiful thing. 
but you got to teach the facts uh, and you know or else we end up repeating it and uh and i think it's important uh, to continue to teach those things but definitely a different environment you know that our kids are in and uh you know the challenges that i see my kids go through uh, you know their middle school and high school level now definitely not something that i encountered you know when i was there uh so um we got to teach them to have, you know, that, that key word. We got to teach them to have grit themselves to be successful. I, I was, just read an article this morning um, from Forbes. It said, why education is about to reach a crisis of epic proportions. And you mentioned, Craig, you mentioned uh, teachers leaving the field. And they are, I work in higher ed and, and people are leaving um, student affairs and higher ed in masses also across the state and across the nation. This one, one sentence in this article talked about like the this, this self-care, like no longer can we just keep going tell, telling teachers like make sure you're taking care of yourself. Like, and I'm just wondering like, you know, what can we do as board members? You know, I, I was just dreaming this morning feeling like I wish there was just a way to compensate them more. Um, to, to truly honor them for their work. Because if, you know, people, I think people have said over the years, oh, teachers have the summers off and whatever. Like, no mm. one stops being a teacher. You don't stop just because you're not in the classroom. Um, so what can we do as a board? What can we do? You know, because that's what I keep thinking. Like, how, we have grit and they have grit. We want our kids to have grit. But how, what can we do differently as boards right now? Yeah, compensation is definitely always, uh, you know, a, a great, <laughs> great way to say thank you. I think it's you know, the best way uh, to say thank you, uh, you know, and teachers, obviously, you know, it, it's a tough field. You know, they know how much they're going to make, you know, over a certain period of time and career. Uh, I would like to see the legislature, you know, address, uh, you know, TRS and uh, their retirement options. I and mean, you've got multiple other state organizations, whether it be TechStop, that have much better retirement plans uh, than educators. You know, I think that would be a great way uh, to say thank you, to give them opportunities to uh, have better investment options in their retirement. In TRS, it's it's not much to retire on. Uh, and, you know, their options are, are slim. That's not necessarily something, you know, from a board perspective, you know, as individual boards, uh, but, you know, as board members, you know, approaching our legislators, I think that's definitely something that needs to be brought to the forefront and uh, addressing their retirement options. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, being respons fiscal responsible uh, board members uh, to ensure that, you know, we were able to manage the money to where we can give incentives and raises and, and, and things like that. So, um, that's a good idea. That sounds like something that we could put on the advocacy agenda and some of the things that we ask for in the grassroots meetings. Um, the grassroots meetings will be coming uh, in the next couple months. And Gary, those are meetings that um, TASB holds. All the directors in the state will, will help lead these meetings, but it's a time to, um, they, to hear what we can do differently and how we want to address the next session when they're... Um, so that's a great idea. I'm going to have to make, make sure I mention that. Um, that are it's, grassroots meeting. You know, there, there's reason to stay within the in the field uh, mm -hmm. when you, your retirement, you know, is, is going to be good. Mm -hmm. um, at least uh, having the investment options on it, not saying, you know, uh, huge pensions, things like that. I, I'm just better investment options uh, you know, when they, they can 
choose to, uh, you know, put it into different funds and, and see it grow. Uh, better 401k plans. Uh, you know, it's a large group of people uh, throughout the state, and why they're, you know, stuck with the TRS plans, I'm not 100% certain, but I do think it would build retention and keeping people in the field. They know that they have something to work with that will pay off, you know, in the end when they decide to retire. That's a great, that's a great question. I, I, I mean, that's great. I'm gonna make sure I put that on Region 11's, uh, put that out there and see what kind of, um, where, where that goes with Region 11. Um, what are, what are some other things that are, that you think we should be focusing on as a board member in the next year? You know, I, each year comes with its, you know, with different challenges, you know, even before we came into this COVID era, I never would have imagined a dream that that's what we're dealing with. And I can't necessarily see into a, a crystal ball as to what that may be. Um, but, you know, ensuring that our teachers have, uh, you know, and our staff, uh, not just our teachers, our support staff uh, and teachers uh, have what they need, whether it be uh, in their classrooms, uh, to make it through, you know, these, these difficult times, and, you know, giving them the tools uh, and ensuring that the leader, the leadership that's in place understands, you know, the challenges that they're going through uh, and, and to be supportive in any, every which way that we can. I think that's what we continue to focus on, uh, you know, as we move forward. That's what's going to keep them here. And that's, you know, they, they've got to have some sense of, um, assurance that you know the leadership that's in place is understands where they're at and what they're going through uh, and to be you know be on the campuses and be encouraging uh, and to be present uh, from a board board's perspective you know we are the overall the oversight uh, for the 50,000 foot view uh, we're not management we're, we're governance uh, but we are the leadership uh, of the district and, uh, you know I think it's important that they know that we're we're involved and we, we know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. When we started this podcast, we talked about books and I and I, I keep thinking like the students can handle things and more than we think that the students can handle. But how do you know, um, and you all well, do you at, in your district have a student advisory committee or council time where you are actually hearing from the students and the students' perspective? Because that's what I'm thinking. We don't at our district at least like from my view and my role as a, a board president, I don't spend a lot of time hearing from the students. And I, that's something that I'm gonna, I would like to know, like, what do they need? You know, I mean, cause we know what the state says they need and whatever, but they're the ones that have, well, we've all suffered um, in this last year and a half, but do you have, do you have any kind of connection with students and hearing their voice? Other, I know you have your own students that, that, that are yours in your home, but. Yeah, you know, and we just recently, uh had a student just emailed the board and I was kind of set back. I was like, this is a, a great question. Uh, it was, you know, in relation to policy and it was a kid that was you know, wanting to advocate for them. I, I was encouraged that they were reaching out and engaging that, that they know who to reach out to. As far as, an, you know, a student advisory committee, I don't, uh, I'm not aware that we have, uh, have that in our district. Uh, you know, I know that uh, each individual campus will have those. Uh, and, you know, from a board's perspective, you know, it's, that's where being involved, you know, in the schools and, and going in and seeing like what's, mm-hmm. what's place, uh, you know, uh, activities, things that are going on, you know, we have principals 
you know, to reach out and ask us to come participate, whether it be in some special event and every opportunity that I get to do that, I do uh, so that I can see, you know, with the students, uh, their achievements and things that they're doing. So. Yeah, oh, well, and I, I just, I'm th I was thinking of things that, that can be done that don't cost a lot of money and don't put a lot of extra pressure or burden on our already overburdened staff, right? Like, so what I, I, the ideas and things I'm thinking of as we move forward in our district, and we're, we're just now engaging in a strategic planning process that will take us pretty much like a 10 year, 10 to 12 year vision, mm -hmm. um, not including facilities and bonds, but just student focused. And I'm, I'm, I mean, that's one of the things that I want to know more about is what are the students, what do they think and what do they feel? Because you can hear them when they're upset or when they're, you know, when they're you know, wanting to change something. And, and kudos to that student that reached out to y'all because that's, that's, you know, that's really, that's important for people to be able to learn to do that. But I think when, when things aren't stressful, like we're just going to have this conversation, tell us what's going on, how can we do things better or whatever. I think we might be surprised how smart this our students are you know like they're our future and that's why we do this work because we care about our future but i'm just wondering if that's one thing that we can do differently as boards is um and i know some districts do have vibrant student advisory committees but that's one thing i'm thinking of for us yeah definitely let me know how that's working how that works yeah out. i'm interested to hear that uh you know in each individual district i think you know has different goals and uh, great ideas and when we're able to share those across mm -hmm. the boards uh, you know, I've got friends multiple other districts you know we, we chat about things but it's always what's right for the, the individual district mm -hmm. and, uh, you know a West Texas district versus you know a, a suburb of you know a larger city with Dallas or Houston things like that would be mm -hmm. but, but. well Craig, Corinne, I know we're running short on time here. Um, I want to thank y'all for being on the podcast. And um, just before we close out, it it seems like based on what we talk talked about, is leadership is needed now more than ever. You have your students that are getting information from multiple sources, whether that's social media, the library, and they're getting it fast. And while they can learn on their own. Obviously, they're still young, they're still learning, they're still developing, they need somebody there to kind of help them navigate through some of the, the content and information that's out there. And y'all have a tough job, right, being, being on the school board as, the, as those leaders. So I just want to say thank you. You both are inspiring. And um, Craig, just want to thank you for being on the podcast. Enjoyed it. Always fun. Yes, best wishes with your uh, new new year with your your personal students and then you know, the, all the students in your district where you govern. I love to use that word. I love the word governance. It's, um, it's so important that we know that role and, and it is National School Board Month. So so mm. thank you for serving and coming on and being our first guest during one of my favorite months. <laughs> and thank you for your service as well. And before we close out, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. I do impact is giving, well, it's 1.5, I was going to say millions, but now it's at $1.5 billion to public education ministry. Almost 20% of the school districts in Texas are now working with I do impact. It's a way to give funding that doesn't involve the government, doesn't involve taxpayers, small districts, large districts. It, it really doesn't matter. So uh, very inspiring. These are unrestricted funds that can be used for anything 
within a school district. And right now we just, in Texas anyways, there was a, a bond election and I think everybody has seen it. It was the most difficult bond election in the past 10 years. And right now community, different communities are, are really paying attention to, to how funding is being spent. And what I do impact is doing is helping districts be good stewards of the funding they already have. And they're optimizing their systems and helping them reduce the largest or the second largest energy, second largest expense of a school district with is energy. And they're putting that money back into the school district to be used for teachers. Teacher salaries is a big one. I know we talked about teachers and, and, and uh, funding on the podcast here. So this, these funds can be used for higher teacher salaries, which is very common. So thank you, I Do Impact, for sponsoring the podcast. Thank you, Craig, for being the guest on the podcast again. And thank you, of course, Corinne, our co-host on the podcast, for being on the podcast. And thank you all for tuning in.